California spent $4 billion on Medi-Cal for people who may not have been eligible. Governor Jerry Brown gets a D in the Cato Institute's Fiscal Policy Report. And 13 chilling economic trends in Cal State Fullerton's Southern California forecast. That's what's coming up in this week's episode of California Streaming. You're listening to the California Streaming Podcast with Bobby, Jonathan, and Louie. We're just three conservative friends trying to provide some counterbalance in one of the most liberal states in the union. So let's hop on our magic choo-choo train to nowhere and talk some California politics. It's another beautiful afternoon. It's true. Oh, and that bullet train just keeps on chugging along. It's a beautiful thing. (laughs) Beautiful day in the state of California. We're actually going to talk a little bit of bullet train today. Um, I never get tired of this. (laughs) I... We should have one of those big poster boards with like a, you know, when they do a fundraisers and it looks like a thermometer. That's right. Uh, How get, close are we now? This one would stay at about 10 degrees. I wouldn't, but I don't, not on the timeline. I want to progressively add the budget to oh, it. right. Because the budget has gotten explosive since you, first you know how like when they complete those thermometer things and they have the exploding you know right. it goes through the roof. Yeah, exactly. You know? I mean, I think we're going to get to this later, but I came across the stat. This was like two or three years ago, and it said, "Boy, the budget was thirty-three. It's already like fifty billion, and it's been increased." I'm like, "Well, that was a long time ago because we're way past fifty now." Yeah, I'm. It's the joke. It's crazy for a a train. You know, it's kind of become the joke of the show is the bullet train, and we have the train horn in our intro. And but when you look at how expensive it's gotten from i mean it's almost just it's it's out of control on the cost side i I don't even know how why it's even feasible anymore and what's funny is i couldn't even tell you exactly how much of the total mileage that's supposedly going to be built how much of that has actually begun construction right but well let's say what not even 10 percent. but not even through meaningful areas (laughs) right Right, we're still not going from, say, San Diego to the Oregon border on the thing. I mean, the problem is is that they keep adding track to it uh, where, where yeah. they just keep adding different things. Like, uh, I want to say three or four weeks ago, Fresno and Bakersfield were celebrating because they agreed to finally have track built between those two cities. And I was like, I, I thought it was already going to happen. That's, that's the not that point. large of a span. And we've talked about it before. The area they're avoiding still. Is oh, the yeah. LA Mountains. Like exactly. they, they don't want to even address it's like we'll save that for the last part while most of it's built so that we can't not do that part. And that's gonna be easily the most expensive. Right, because once you start spending some money, you kinda get the whole pot committed aspect. And that's uh, well, we can't not not do this. That's right. So that leads us into our first article today of efficient spending. Which is synonymous with California. <laughs> Lots of and we'll go ahead definitely always definitely this one comes out of the la times uh last week of october the headline california spent four billion dollars on medi-cal for people who may not have been eligible the audit finds so california spent four billion on medi-cal coverage between 2014 and 2017 for people who may not have been eligible for the government-funded health plan according to a state audit Medi-Cal provides health coverage for, this was pretty crazy, 13.1 million Californians, or approximately one-third of the state's population. How do you qualify for Medi-Cal? Well, 
you need to be a single adult making less than $16,754 annually. So county workers typically determine whether someone's eligible for health coverage under Medi-Cal by sending information to the state, and then they kind of match that up with county information. The audit found that 453,000 beneficiaries who were marked as eligible in the state system, but not in the county system, and these beneficiaries may have died, moved, or begun making more money and no longer qualified for Medi-Cal. So the state's Department of Healthcare Services paid $4 billion to health plans and doctors for those patients uh, over four years, and the audit found that 57% of the discrepancies lasted for more than two years. Let me get this right, though. Hold on. This is still sinking in for me. Yeah, a lot of information. A third, a third of Californians access or have some exposure or need for state-run health care. It's yep. only $4 billion that we lost. I mean... Well, no, no, right. I'm just still, heart? I'm just still no, focused. But, but, but it's, it's a valid... I think that's a valid point to make is that a third of the state's population... Right. A third of the well, state's population makes... Under sixteen thousand seven hundred What it is is you either have to be poor, which is right. the sixteen thousand dollar part, or old. Okay. okay. Or you know, uh, women and children wick kind of deal. Uh, exactly. That all I, all I'm saying is they have successfully right. defined, manipulated, set up, what have you, to make a third of our state's residents dependent. That's right. On state-run health Imagine if we, okay. if a politician wants to run and say, oh, right. hey, look, $4 billion we wasted. Right. Wasted. We need a different program. Well, they'd never have it. They'd never do it. See, and that, that's where they, they succeeded. Exactly. Right? They got a third of people. Also, John, so you bring up an interesting viewpoint I hadn't thought about. Do you think it's intentionally designed to get that third on board or more? For that purpose, or do you think it's a it evolved into that organically? I easily the first. Interesting. Okay. Um, I hadn't really thought about it that way. Yeah. Again, so so I'll, I'll come at the same stat from a from a different perspective. This would be the model. Remember what was it a year ago? They proposed, and I even looked up the the, the cost estimate because I'd forgotten a year or two ago. There was a bill, an attempt by the Democrats in Sacramento to get a state, uh, a universal health care in the state. Right, right, right. This would be the model for it, right? I mean, it would basically, just like Bernie Sanders says, Medicare would be expanded to everybody. That's That was this. Medi-Cal was going to be... Let, let me pop a balloon in Bernie Sanders' plan. Well, okay, okay. Okay, okay he's always touting democratic socialism. Totally. Okay, that's what that's his stick. All right. And which he wants to have Medicaid for all, Medicare for all, whatever, whatever universal health plan he wants. Right. Okay. That's not how they do it in Denmark, Sweden, those those areas. That's not how they do it. What they really have is the voucher system. Okay. We pull in all our money and then everybody gets a particular stipend, and then you go 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 buy it from the free marketplace. So right. So what you're saying is Yes, I'm using, let's say I'm using your money. You're giving me some of your money for healthcare. Mm-hmm. However, r- the minute you give it to me, I now am responsible for this check that I have and how I spend it and if I spend it properly or not. Right. Yeah. And so 
we've talked about this just with aid programs in general, better to make the market participants Correct. by giving them money to just do whatever they want with. Instead of all these hoop dancings and instead of all these programs that, you know, they'd rather have them take, give them a check and at least you're going to go throw it in the market somewhere. Exactly. And purchase they, something or, or, or whatever. They I, begin to vote in the capital markets right. with the money that they have. Right. Um, that's, I think that's an interesting philosophy. I, I wonder if, you know, a lot of these programs, I think they're designed to force you into spending the money in that thing. No, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. That that's that's leading you away from becoming a pure market participant. It's the WIC right. program. And remember, you know, you, you can see people at the checkout line. They have to split their order because these things right here. The alcohol will, and the that's cigarettes. Right. And- the other things will swipe on the WIC card. These things won't. Okay, you've forced me. But it goes back to the whole, I mean, you, we used this example before with, you know, everything from everything the government spends money on and subsidizes right. Planned Parenthood, whatever. Okay, you're not spending money on that thing. But now you didn't have to spend your own money on that thing so you can spend your own money on what you were going to get anyways. Right. So did it really, you know, you, okay, so they forced you to buy bread and milk, et cetera. Fine. I didn't have to spend my pocket of money over here on bread and milk, so now I get to spend that on booze. Right. It's just a shell game. Correct. Well, let me throw this at you. Right now, you, you had the, what was it, 13 million who are on the program? Yeah, 13.1. Okay. 13.1. Well... 2.7 million people are still without health insurance in this state right now. That's the statistic. Right. Okay. They have no health insurance whatsoever. Okay. My, my parents just left for Mexico so they can go get are dental Are they in the work. caravan? They're in the caravan. They're, they're, they're riding on the bus right now. Okay. Yeah. Did they happen to get some cash from that guy in the video that was handing it out? Were they in that line? Hey, they're never opposed to free money. Okay. okay. So they were in the line. That's right. Okay. Well, this is a major segue, but did, or tangent, but did you see uh, the undercover video from Beto's campaign in Texas? Oh, the, 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 the first rule of, I, I forget what the, the phrase was, but. No, where they were actually oh. using campaign money to. Oh, I'm, t- I'm thinking of a different underground video. And you know what? It undercover was, video. It was uh, number one on the news that night. They yeah. were talking all about it. Oh, wait. You're, this is probably the first time you're hearing about it. <laughs> Project Veritas. Yeah. Look it up on YouTube. Uh, this guy's doing some amazing things, but basically undercover audit into Beto's campaign running against Ted Cruz in Texas using campaign funds to go help out the caravan bring them supplies, move them in their own vans, all this other stuff. And a lot of, yeah, yeah, it's not a bit, yeah, we'll, we'll just use Visa prepaid cards. Like total 20 minutes of just violations. I mean, pretty gnarly stuff, but okay, that's my tangent on that. You, couple fines, no you, big deal. Yeah, so I guess we had talked about the DMV in a couple episodes ago. And and then that segued into a bunch of the waste we had just in general in the state. But we look at four. Do we we talk about like, the gas tax, right? And then we see four billion dollars here that could have been spent somewhere else. And and I think I read this correctly in the um, or actually this was a from Cal Health report on October thirty first. They said on the flip side, they estimate about fifty five thousand people, fifty four fifty five thousand people may have been denied Medi Cal coverage that were entitled to it. Right. So there's the ramifications run just beyond 
what people see, hear about. And that's the bottom line on all this, right? Well, is the efficiencies or lack thereof. Here's where I get pissed off. You're, you're, you're watching during election season and you're being told to feel guilty about repealing the gas tax. These are bridges that are going to fall down. The, well, the latest commercial I saw right before election, election week yeah. was firefighters, the CHP, earthquake experts, whatever that means. <laughs> I've been in one. Does that mean I'm an <laughs> All say that, you know, everything's going to fall down. We need money. We need to fix this. And, and it's, that's the people that are driving on the roads. It's your fault. And then you see there's $4 billion that just wasted it, gone, left, that could have been pumped into the roads or any other. Yeah, the problem is, is that that $4 billion, nobody cares. Oh, yeah. Nobody cares. It's, it's so true. You, you got to look at these politicians and go, hey, $4 billion. What, were you sleeping? What's going on here? You tell me. You got a clip, John? Yeah. As always, uh, Milton Friedman has a, uh, a thought, especially when it comes to this topic, right, about the four... Don't forget, you guys don't, but the $4 billion, it's not magic fairy dust money that's not that came, Tinkerbell? That came out of somebody's pocket. Well, oh, found money. That's right. Bef- before we play Friedman. Yeah. Let me, let me tell you. Okay. Right now, we pay $19 billion out of the state general fund for Medi- Medi-Cal. That actually seems pretty low, but go it, on. It does. And, and the reason why is because we get, uh, let's see here where I had it. Uh, we get $67 billion. From the Fed. Now we're talking. That 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 number okay. seems more accurate. Then we sure up paid by individuals' healthcare insurance plans. Okay, so when I have a job, everybody else has a job, they're paying for insurance. A portion of that goes into the fund as well. And it comes out to a hundred billion dollars that we're paying. There you go. There's the, there's the money. Think of that for a second. The ridiculousness that there is somebody in Alabama subsidizing somebody on Medi-Cal in California. If the money came from the Fed, right. almost de facto, you're pooling and then redistributing. I, I right. ran the quick numbers. I went, that's about $7,500 per uh, Medi-Cal participant. When wow. We, when we do the math. Wow. That it depends on how many you're talking about. But so yeah, 7500 $7, per Medi-Cal participant that's right. Paid for by the rest of the, the country. Taxpayer. Yeah. The, the, the taxpayer countrywide. Or I mean, I'd have to do the math on California. that one, but yeah, but I did the 100 billion. Sure, okay. but okay. 100 billion divided by 13, and a, 13 million. Yeah. Go with that for a second. So I'm on an HSA plan. I'm on a, um, I'm not part of a network. I'm on like a, a share, you know, it, like, like MetaShare, but it's not MetaShare. Okay. Uh, you know, where you, it's a private deal. It's, you pay cash, but so I'm, 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 paying into this sharing system where then they, they backstop, you know, per incident, I only pay a thousand dollars out of pocket, right. but I get access to an HSA plan, right? As a single individual, I can contribute 3,500, 3,400 a year to my HSA plan. Fill that up. And for me, I pay to this MediShare plan, which anybody who's up to, let's say 65 would pay. I pay, I think, two fifty a month. I'm still not at that number with right. both those things. Right, right. So I filled up my HSA totally, and I have this share insurance, and, and I'm still what maybe five grand. 
Yeah. Six great six seven six sixty five hundred bucks. Right. Just yeah. I'm still I'm still a thousand bucks less than this. Yeah. Right. Unbelievable. But you're responsible. Tell us what the Grand Wizard Milton Freeman says about spending money. Here we go. If I'm going to do good with other people's money, I first have to take it away from them. That means that the welfare state philosophy of doing good with other people's money, at its very bottom, is a philosophy of violence and coercion. It's against freedom, because I have to use force to get the money. In the second place, very few people spend other people's money as carefully as they spend their own. Yeah, to me, that's like... That's the best part. I forget he's got four different ways he breaks it down. Um, but basically, like the least efficient way you spend money is when it's oh somebody right. else's money and you're spending it on other people. Right? Exactly. That is, you, you are the least careful. Why, why would right. you be careful? What's right. your incentive for watching the pennies in that situation? Right. Yeah. Okay, so we're talking about healthcare. We're talking about if we were to fix it, you know, you, you talk about the democratic socialism, the true democratic socialist approach is a voucher right. system. Where do you go then with the, it's always the reason given by somebody who, when, when that gets brought up, well, someone can't be trusted to spend that money on healthcare if you've given them money for healthcare, but technically they could spend it on anything. They won't right. necessarily go buy uh, health insurance with the money. What's the answer to that? Well, I mean, when we're talking about vouchers, right? Okay, when we're talking about vouchers, they're specifically they're they're a coupon specific for whatever it is you're purchasing. Okay, they're not Amazon gift cards here. Okay, right. a Visa prepaid card. <laughs> exactly. You know, they're not good for the caravan. Right. So they would get a voucher for healthcare, and they it could says, go spend it wherever a qualified insurance right. plan for for Medicare, for, right? For medicine. So okay. there. So there's competing plans vying for their voucher dollar. That's right. There's Blue Shield and Anthem and whatever. And there's a lot of employers that do that too, like with a cafeteria plan. They just basically give you a chunk of money for healthcare and then you can go spend it on whatever healthcare plan you want. But at the same time, we're still debating whether to allow insurance plans across state lines. They still haven't taken this initiative to do that. Right. I'm sure that... Uh, it it's it's easier for an insurance program to operate in a large state like California because we have nearly forty million people. But when you say Iowa, it's right. barely the population of Los Angeles. That's a big difference. It's a huge difference. It's harder to make money in that state. So then, what do you think drives Bernie to not want to wholly embrace? Well, what you're suggesting is the democratic socialist approach. It's a, it's about power. Yeah. It's about power. It's about controlling a system which controls people. Okay. When, when people want to say, let's move to a voucher system, when they want to change the way, when they see the school system is failing, the, and the, the medical system is failing, the DMV is failing. There's a whole bunch of different programs that are failing. And then when you approach the system, the people in charge of the system and say, let's try a different course of action. Well, then people come out of the woodwork and say, oh, we can't change it. Think of the people who are dependent on the system. Think about what will happen. It's just like we talked about the bullet train. You get enough track down and then you, you, 
you basically pull the wool over everybody's eyes and say, hey, we're too pot committed to go the other way. So we got to just keep going this way and spend, spend, spend. The concept of a sunken cost. Right. No one wants to look. You spent the money. You can't unspend it. That doesn't, that shouldn't affect how you think about going forward. I'll, I'll keep uh, a bad idea is a bad idea. I'll keep piling on in the Sweden thing because the people of Sweden came out with their own documentary and they, they were like, no, this is not what we do. We're not socialists. We tax very high. Okay. <laughs> they we tax give very it to high. other people. Right. But, but this is what we actually do. <laughs> this is what we actually but do. we're not socialists. No, no, no. Well, I mean, Lenin they, was the best. <laughs> I mean, but, they don't control but, the means of production, which is what Bernie Sanders is all about. He wants to control right. the means of production. Right. He wants to give a monopoly. Like, okay, if we were to... Um, I.e. Medicare. Right. right. Medicare running healthcare. Right. That, that, that's we controlling it, the means of healthcare. We give it what, when Bernie Sanders wants to minimize and say, oh, we want to work with the, with the uh, free economy. What they're really going to do is they're going to divest it to just one company and say, okay, you're, you make profit, but we control you. Kind of like a utility. Right. You know, uh, you know PG&E is only in one city. So, the people have to have no choice but to use PG&E, and then the the county or whatever municipality is using that electrical power supply is in control of whatever they do and limits their ability to make a profit and so on and so forth. That's what Bernie Sanders wants. Which is funny because kind of what you're suggesting is he uses democratic socialist countries as a red herring. Mm-hmm. Um, even though, again, at this table, we're going to agree that a lot of stuff they do and want I think it's crazy, but that still is used as a red herring because what he wants is even beyond what they want right, or have. Right. right. That's why the president of Sweden keeps, or prime minister of Sweden keeps coming out and goes like, that's not us, man. It's not what we do. Stop using us. And no, stop no, talking no. to us like that. Don't bother us with your facts. <laughs> all right. We're all money. Money extravaganza this episode. Governor Brown gets a D on fiscal policy. I guess it's better than failing. I would have said like <laughs> A minus. There is a worse grade. There is a worse grade. Hey, right? wait till Gavin Newsom. <laughs> well, that, it'll be interesting. Do they to give see. an F minus to anybody? Because they're about to with right. Gavin Newsom. There are no uh, half scores um, given out by Cato. This comes out of the Daily News, first week of November. The Cato Institute released its fiscal policy report card on America's governors. The report card evaluates governors from a limited government perspective. And it's based on a set of variables measuring tax and spending actions. Since taking office in 2011, spending and taxation have moved in a predictable direction. Upward. Get out of town. <laughs> Under uh, Brown, the state's general fund budget rose 52% between 2011 and uh, basically November of 2018. Wow. The report notes... Uh, let's see, despite the recent surge in state revenues, Brown and the legislature keep piling on more taxes. Uh, the report card rightly called out a big chunk of it was the high-speed rail boondoggle as the standout representation of California's wasteful spending. That becomes the the poster child for wasteful spending. Looks and I'll keep going on that one. Uh, the supposed cost of the project were below $40 billion initially. Today, the officials have indicated the cost could hit $98 billion. Just say 100 
And that doesn't count the operating cost that we're going to face in perpetuity. Oh, the subsidization, the of, of right. course, of, of each ticket, no question. Right. That's just to build the thing. Uh, they also kind of called out uh, that high-income earners are basically the ones who pay the most tax in California. The tax system relies on heavily taxing high-income earners and capital gains. Yeah. You know, in, in this segment, going back and doing some reading, I'll hand it to Jerry Brown a little bit. He's at least been honest with that part where I know multiple times he said, look, we're taxing a lot, we're spending a lot, but everyone needs to understand that the revenues we're getting are volatile revenues. And when our state and the economy in general takes a hit, especially a market hit, we got a big problem. I don't think this, if the rainy day fund actually exists and there's money set aside, I don't think that's going to be nearly enough. I'm kind of anticipating that they're using it for sexual harassment lawsuits. But but in in reality of it, I mean, $100 billion for the the high-speed rail, that's not even including the the interest. And we're we're not not done. We're not in inning two. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, The top 1% of earners pay 50% of all state income taxes. That's pretty gnarly. It's not as surprising as you think. It's not as surprising as you think because we keep shouldering it on the wealthy and every single time we have a a bond measure, we go, oh, we're just going to tax the 1%. We're just going to tax the 1%. I know I keep getting hung up on these top level statistics from uh, from these articles we're talking about today, but think about that for a second. Between 2011 and 2019, this year, roughly next year, right? Over fifty percent of an increase in the general fund. Now, just I'll, I'll also say too, add to that, state government employment has um, risen twelve percent since twenty thirteen. Yeah, well, you know what? And on top of that, we have the increase of the minimum wage. We're going to a fifteen dollar an hour just for government employees. Remember, we changed that specifically for them. It's going to add an extra three point six billion to the general fund of our tax rolls. But think about it from this perspective. Look, we rail on our state and our state government a lot. Railing. <laughs> but have we Was that a train uh, joke? Oh, that's a good one. That's a good one. But in all honesty, trying to be as unbiased as you can, are we even close to 50% of an improvement in the quality of things and the service? In what right, I see what you're saying. It, if we had a 50% improvement uh, correct. In, in life here, it would be, take a tw- could be justified. I'll take right? a 25% improvement right. for fit. I mean, that's still an inefficient ratio, obviously. Well, and we're going to see in the next segment that our forecast is actually fairly bleak <laughs> considering <laughs> how much we've ponied up in the last few years. But yeah, you know, you look at just, just we talk about business key performance indicators. I'm just trying to attach look, this is a key performance indicator for something that's happened fiscally in our state. Do we see the commensurate output at all from that? Right. If anything, people keep leaving in record droves, right? So you have to believe that some of that honeypot starts shrinking when a lot of those 1% that are paying the 50% leave. I mean, everybody, every other state's complaining about they keep getting more and more Californians and they hate the fact that they're voting the way they're voting. Right. Right. They didn't learn their lesson over there. That's the other one that just blows my mind. People leave the state, they take the way they voted with them without ever thinking that maybe it's the way that they voted originally that's what caused them to leave the state. 
Right. And, and in 2016, uh, we approved Prop 56, which increased the cigarette tax by $2 per pack. And that was supposed to bring in $1.3 billion a year. And then the voters, again, California voters, approved Prop 55, which extended the top end of the income tax rate uh, for high earners. We went from 10.3% to 13.3%, making us the highest in the nation for income tax. You remember the days when that was passed, floated, and then passed as a temporary measure? Oh, yeah. No, <laughs> oh, I firm, remember looking around. Yeah. Concrete. <laughs> I remember looking around everybody thinking, if anybody believes this is temporary. Well, the, well, no. the scary part is also, when you go to any city, their sales tax is probably hovering around 9%, if not higher. Easily. It's, it's, it's very rare to find some city in like the 8% bracket. Right. I mean, like, what is LA? Like near 10%, something like that? So after taxes, you're paying 10% on whatever you buy? Right, right. Dang. Here's, here's that stat that uh, hurt me. Uh, or may, maybe you read it, Louis, but, but from the Sacramento Bee in uh, June and this year, 2018, they said California's general fund is considered volatile. It can plunge by 20% in a recession because revenue is heavily dependent on income taxes and cap gains. Of course, yeah. So that's yeah, right, and you said that part. But 20% of a swing... You know, here's the sad thing. Sad. I, just put it in perspective uh, real quick, not to cut you off. Yeah. For the listener, imagine if you had a swing of 20% in your household income. Exactly. Right? Let's let's just say you were making 100 grand a year and all of a sudden now. One year, the next year, oh, by the way, it's going to be 80. Right. Maybe only for a year or two, but it's going to be 80. Right. But you were dependent on something that, in this case, we're dependent on taxation right so it's not like we can it's like more industry and if you had that happen to you what would you what would be the natural outcome of what you'd have to do look for more money or, 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 cut, or, back. or cut back yeah now can you can you go and just start issuing louis bonds to pay i mean for i could that? yeah <laughs> they're called bitcoin <laughs> would, okay. anyone, would anyone buy the louis bonds is a different Pro, question they're junk bonds <laughs> <laughs> yeah no, yeah, you can't. I can't just go ahead and issue bonds for my debt. And let's make no mistake about it. That's why on this last ballot, what the first six props, five props, all bonds were issuing. And we talked about that on a previous episode. This much money, this much money, this right. much money. That's how this is being well. And that, and that was at the state level. That didn't yeah. even count all the measures. I think we touched on oh, our sure. prop episode. Bobby touched yeah. on two hundred and some odd tax initiatives, measures, and total across the state, right? Uh, Saturday, what was it, 254? Something I'm going to go like with that, 254. Yeah. Right. Sounds right. Um, if if you really want to know for sure, then go back and listen to our prop proposition <laughs> special episode or election special. But yeah, so I mean, we had five or six on the main ballot, the state ballot, but local initiatives were just full of tax Local and, and county and... Yeah. And a whole bunch of measure this, measure that. Exactly. We want more. A lot of them were weed taxes. <laughs> right. Okay. Got to get our cannabis money in. Yeah. I mean, there was a free revenue stream right there for the county and states. Might as well. Well, well let me ask you, since you brought it up, is that the answer? Is there money to be made out of the cannabis taxing? Is there enough there to offset? I, I think, <laughs> at least in California, it's not like we're going to step these back. That's a, right. So th- exactly. here's the thing is that like, okay, we're, we're going to tax the top 1% of earners for 50% of the, the revenue. 
But even if we made a bajillion dollars off cannabis, it's not like we're going to come back and step back the income tax stuff. That's like right. we're never, never going to get out of 13% no, yeah, land. There's never a return of a dollar. Right. It's said a different way. Like, hey, we're back afloat. Let me go ahead and step this back. <laughs> right. Let, let, me, let me ask you guys this whole tangent off of this thing, off of the, um, well, the subject that we're talking about. But since we're talking about uh, marijuana, we also passed the you don't need a business license if you're selling under $50,000. That's right. Uh, home, like cooking pies or whatever at home. Right. right. Selling so, goods. Can I combine the two? Can I be a l- legal distributor of illegal drugs? Are you saying if you're making baked goods, like cannabis baked mm-hmm. goods? I don't think. I think you're in a whole different realm than Grandma B cooking up legit brownies. Hey, why not? Try it, Bobby. I didn't need a license let's, let's to do, do a little, this. Let's do a little experiment here. You and know I what? I don't need a license to do that. Why don't you try? Why don't you try? I'm going to give experiment? it a go. <laughs> I'm going to give it a go. I'm going to tell the cops when they catch me. Don't tase me, bro. I'm under $50,000 a year. I don't need a license to do any of this crap. Go take a walk. Can we YouTube you on your soapbox while you get beat down? Why not? (laughs) I'm like, brown lives matter. This might be a (laughs) two-person podcast afterwards. (laughs) Sorry, Bobby. Broadcasting live from U.S. Penn Lompoc. I went back and looked at a... uh, Not Lompoc. This was the Cato 2018 report, right? The Cato 2016 report was getting more specific on on past years. 2015 alone, the budget rose by 13%. I mean, I think back to your your household example is a great one. And people have brought up it up before when they talk about taxes and federal budgets, etc. But you know, the, the these sorts of percentages, these sorts of mentalities, you really don't need to think much beyond what would you do and how would you have to deal with it yourself? If you were in this situation and anyone who tries to tell you, and most of the people that will try to tell you this are probably pretty progressive, pretty liberal. Anyone who tries to tell you that it's different, dramatically different when it's the government, that's just crazy. You can't break the laws of, of borrowing, spending, taxation, right? Financial ruin, which we're unfortunately probably going to experience. Well, remember, and we probably should have done this in the last segment, but they wanted to do um, Medicare for all as, Four, as of $400 billion. $400 billion. What is that? Double the California it's budget? Double the budget. It would effectively triple it per year and just ruin healthcare like, like you wouldn't imagine. And plus, ruin we're, we're, we were saying $4 billion was wasted to people who didn't deserve it. Right. How much would be wasted? To how, would you, how would you even collect the revenue for that. I mean, how far down the chain of workers would you have to tax at like 100% over making $100,000 a year or $80,000 a year? Just take all of their income. That's why even the Democrats balked at it. I mean, the Democrats run the House, the the Senate of the Assembly. They looked at it and went, we don't have a magic wand. It ain't going to happen. Right. Then Vermont try this and they had the digit. The well, old, it, the math never works out. It, no. There's there's a magic way, dude. <laughs> and people were still going it. like, hey, you can do it, dude. Just just do it. Just come on. Yeah, just, just, do, just it. do it. I got a game for you guys. Okay. Yay. And you guys get to be uh, teammates on this. I'm going to get my stopwatch up here. There were five governors that got A's. And I'm not oh. going to make you come up with governor names because you probably don't know a whole lot of them. 
States, but though? We've got to pick the state? states. Oh, okay. I'm going to give you guys 45 seconds. You get to be teammates on this. Okay. To come up with the five states that got their governors got an A rating from okay. Cato. South Dakota. Hold on. Oh. On your Disqualified. Marks, get set. Go. South Dakota. Nope. Texas. Yes. Abbott. Texas, yeah, right? Abbott. Yeah, Abbott. Uh, Florida? Nope. Oh, um, Tennessee? Nope. Mm. Colorado? No. Wow. Okay. And it ain't Texas, I tell Idaho. you. Idaho? <laughs> no. Oh, boy. We said Texas already. Right? <laughs> you got one, yeah. and you're 24 seconds in. Oh, man. Maybe I'll give you a minute now. Oh, man. Um, New Jersey, New York, Washington. Uh-huh. <laughs> Just kidding. None of those. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Oklahoma? No. Oh, Arizona? No. no. New Mexico? Yes. Okay. You got two. Hey. Uh, Alabama? No. Most of the rest are going to be towards the east. North Carolina? Uh, close. South Carolina. There you go. <laughs> oh, Pennsylvania for no good reason. No. You got five seconds. If you tell me it's New York, I'm going to die. Oh, I already guessed it as a you joke. Guess, no one. You guys failed. Minutes up. F. You missed Maine, wow, North Dakota. Okay, you got New Mexico, oh, yeah. South Carolina, and Texas. North Dakota, I guess, because of uh, oil. Maybe, maybe I mean, I'm just thinking in terms well, of revenue and sort of Dakota be responsible. Of oil, but maybe I, yeah, I don't know. That's yeah, so rounding out, Suz, Susanna Martinez in New Mexico, Henry Mc, uh, McMaster's in South Carolina, Doug Burgum in North Dakota, Paul LePage in Maine, and then Greg Abbott in Texas. Those all got A marks. California got a D. Anything else? Well, we're going to get an F here pretty soon, so <laughs> just say that again. Yeah, did anybody get... How did we do overall? <laughs> what do you mean? I mean, did anybody else get... Did anybody get an F? We were probably in the yeah. top 50. Yeah, yeah, there were people that got Fs. Oh, yeah. I'd have to find... Also, maybe we're in the top 45. We're we're aiming for forty six. That's where where we aim everywhere, right? Because <laughs> of New Jersey, New York. <laughs> well, we're forty sixth in the state for education. <laughs> yeah, I don't. Um, I'd have to go back and find the full report. But we basically there were a handful that got D's. It wasn't like we're the only people that got a D. So we got that. That makes for me us. feel way better. <laughs> Jerry Brown got the D. All right. Last topic, more money. Headline, 13 chilling economic trends in Cal State Fullerton's Southern California forecast. This is also the Daily News. Came in uh, October 26th. Cooling trend in Southern California's economy will continue for the next two years if economists at Cal State Fullerton are correct. The university's latest forecast for the region comprising L.A., Orange, Riverside, San Bernardino, Imperial, and Ventura counties expects 2019 to bring mild growth. Um, Fullerton's economists also don't see any serious, any serious chance of a recession through 2020. So that's important because it's not like they're going to attribute the mild forecast to a recession. Uh, regional job creation is projected at 119,000 annually, um, over the next two years. And, uh, that's off from 143,000 in the sixteen eighteen forecast. So there is basically 13 trends they came up with, and maybe we could just click through them because... Yeah, that sounds okay. good. They all, they're all kind of different topics. So number one is jobs, all jobs. 
Not booming nor busting, they say. Up 130,000 in 19 and 108,000 um, in 2020 versus the 143,000 in the 1618. So, I mean, a, a natural one to me in that is we were referenced it earlier. We're just going to be seeing what a dollar a year in the minimum wage ticking upward over the next two to three years. Right. There's no way that's not a headwind for job growth. Yeah. And to kind of make, cause I know there's a lot of numbers to throw out on a podcast uh, when they're not in front of you, but what all this translates to on jobs is 1.6% in 19 and 1.3% growth in 2020 versus the almost 2% this year and 1.7% last year. Well, I can already say that they're projecting a little bit of a slowdown. And the reason for that is because we're actually running out of people to employ. Employment's really good. Right. And in fact, as a result, wages have been rising. It's true. So a less of a workforce means higher what, demand. What for, do you I call mean, that principle? I mean, but some of them have been rising by force and coercion, but other people's have been rising because of demand in the capital markets. So, right. I mean, just artificially ratcheting up 12 to 13 to 14. I don't consider that the same type of wage increase. Yeah, as actual market dictated. <laughs> Correct. What what your job's worth. <laughs> Correct. Just wait till Trump gets uh, impeached and then, yeah. <laughs> then, then see what happens. And then the bottom will fall out. Uh, number two is the unemployment rate. So uh, 4.2% in 2019, 4.3% in 2020 versus the 4.2 this year and the 4.6 last year. Kind of to Bobby's point. Yeah. Yeah. So... Uh, Unemployment rate, they're thinking maybe we're kind of at the bottom mm-hmm. of where it'll be, and it will. It's not really trending upward that much. We're talking about it's a side of a percent. Rate, yeah. It's it strikes me as a little bit in the noise at right. that point, yeah. but so so roughly the same. Right, and, and these are as these are projections to begin with. Sure. So almost almost seems like it's not eventful. Uh, population growing slower. Up 1.1% in 2019, uh, adding 1.08% in 2020. So from 1.1 to 1.0, basically. Or, yeah. yeah. Not much Jeez, of a change. How, can we, how many more people yeah. can we squeeze in here? Average growth of 1.1% from 16 to 18. The answer to that question, Bobby, is how many more votes do the Democrats need to continue to remain in power? Right. And well, that, you just kind of back calc that, and that'll tell you how many Reverse engineering. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, I see population growth obviously slowing because I think a chunk of the population is actually leaving the state. Uh, I don't have, see people flocking here. We have a net, we, we're net negative now for the last two, maybe three years. Right. Net negative. Right. So, I definitely see that. I don't see it growing slower. I see there probably would be a dip downwards once we go over the hump. Uh, number four is pay per capita income. Uh, so we got a little bit of an increase here, 3.67% in 19. Um, that's about $2,000 more a year to people. And then adding 3.6% in 2020. So from 36 in 19 to 3 point, basically 36 in 2020. Average growth of 3, 3.4% between 16 and 18. So I have to believe some of that's an artificial growth in 16 to 18 because of minimum wage stuff. Exactly. Bobby, anything? Yeah. No, yeah. I mean, it's growing. It's growing and hopefully... For a variety of reasons. A variety of reasons. We talked on that already. Right. I don't think it's uh, our economic plan that's really... In this state? Yeah. Yeah, no. 
uh, shopping taxable sales. So tighter wallets, they said, uh, 3.2% in 2019 uh, to the tune of $335 billion. Uh, Then we have 2.9% in 2020. So we're talking about a growth of about 3% uh, between 16 and 18. So we're not really growing a whole lot. A lot of people aren't spending as much money. I'm going to tack that on as cost of living in the state. You know, it's it's got to hurt somewhere. Right. So they're talking about retail jobs rising by like 11,000 jobs in 2019. This, Whoa. Th- th- no, but but th- this will, this one's... Statewide. Ro- Is that even with Amazon included? I was going to say that this one seems like it'd be the one of the more difficult ones to get a handle on because there's a lot of movement out there. Uh, just look at Sears and Macy's. I mean, we've got a we've we've got and or had both in this city, right? Right. That this is a shifting landscape in retail, in my opinion. And I think what's uh, crazy is uh, between 2016 and 2018, we added 4,500 jobs a year. That seems like nothing. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, in the state of California, exactly. Um, definitely not a lot of jobs being added there. Number six, we talk about this a lot. Um, I think it takes, it bears a little discussion. Housing permits uh, slowing with 50, we'll round it to 55,000 units planned for 2019, and that's down 354 from 18. Units expected to fall by 2,000 in 2020. Permitting pace was growing by 3,000 yearly in 15 days. Yeah, I talked about that one before, and it has a lot to do with the rising interest rates by the Fed. Well, true, um, but it's funny. No, that, but we haven't been building for yeah forever in this yeah. state for a for for a state whose quote unquote leaders at every chance they get continue to suggest that we just have such a housing crisis and with the homeless population, it doesn't seem like they people well, need to realize a big chunk of the housing crisis is coming from a lack of inventory. Exactly yeah. right, and, and we've made it impossible to build here, and so or building even becomes super expensive and regulated. Even just to put a commercial property in for storefronts takes you years to get through the process. So why is rent so high? Why is housing so high? Well, there's because it's supply and demand. There is no supply right now, but there's a ton of demand. Well, you get a lot of NIMBY as well. I mean, a lot of these, the constituents in these cities and counties, they say, well, we don't want another housing development over here. Right. We don't have the water. Uh, it's going to be a congestion. Our property values are going to go down. So they squash it. Or they make it so difficult to do the project itself. Problem fixes itself. Oh, yeah. Or their I, side of it, anyway. I would like to see, too, what is what does it cost to get through the permitting and fee process to build something? Right? How much of this, like talking about the income in the last in the last segment, how much of that are we trying to recoup through all this all the regulations and crap, right? That just piles on everything. Uh, construction jobs up 13,000 jobs in 2019 and uh, 15,000 jobs in 2020 after adding 18,000 a year in 16 to 18. We're this, not, this we're not next, building. This next one is really funny to me because it speaks to what we were already talking about. Moving stuff, <laughs> trade like, and transportation jobs. Like people. And, how, and houses <laughs> out of here. 
Still hot, it says. <laughs> up 24,000 jobs in 2019 and 22,000 jobs in 2020 after adding 22,000 a year from 16 to We 18. need more people for that bullet train. Trade mm-hmm. and transportation jobs. Yeah, I, I wonder if any of that's attributed to things like Uber and stuff like that. That's a good question. Uber and Lyft yeah, and they, how many drivers. Do they fall under, fall under that umbrella? Yeah, because yeah, it's just trade and transportation jobs. Um, I think that could be a a big bump there. Uh, office work, professional business service jobs, less growth and good paying jobs. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> right? I mean, that's back to the wage increases and what is really increasing and why is it increasing, right? Yeah, and I wish I got a little bit more definition of what a good paying job is, right? Is and and is we've artificially inflated the the wages for jobs, right? So yes. McDonald's is that is that a good paying job or is that good paying for its industry? <laughs> right. Right. So I mean, you may, you're not going to make one hundred fifty thousand dollars flipping burgers. Well, you might at some yeah, point. Yeah. No. In, in twenty twenty five, I'm sure. Twenty five. But <laughs> it still might be good paying for its industry, like In and Out or something like that. The movement for thirty an hour. Hospitality, restaurant, tourism jobs, servers still wanted, up 29,000 jobs in 2019. Uh, after adding 32,000, almost $33,000, or sorry, 33,000 jobs a year from 16 to 18. Um, so, yeah. Everybody I'll, likes a vacation. And, and, to go to and Disneyland. people love eating out. Government work, slow down. 25 hundred jobs in 19, 3,000 jobs in 2020, and we were adding thir- almost 14,000 jobs, 16 to 18. I like how it goes like, okay, we're going to slow down only up 2,000 more. How pathetic is that? <laughs> After adding 13,000. We added almost 14,000 jobs a year between 16 and 18. So In the state government. We'll call that what? Almost 30,000 jobs. In government gonna, work. I saw right here, it says construction jobs, uh, 13,000 jobs are going to be added. We're equaling that amount just in government jobs. So the people who actually build things are actually going to be in bureaucracy. Well, and that speaks to the last segment where we said government jobs basically during um, the Cato Institute study rose 12% since 2013. I mean, that's massive. L.A. County, uh, number 12 on the list, L.A. County, 105,000 more jobs projected for the next two years versus 115,000 in 16, 18. And the Inland Empire, they're going to see their job growth by 87,000 in the next two years versus 102,000 from 16, 18. I mean, what, what, what are they going to do? 87,000 people. Yeah. I mean, what are they going to do? <laughs> I don't know. What do you... <laughs> I mean, we're, and we're talking no, like potholes. Cook, yeah. cook meth in Winnebago's. <laughs> right. And there's no one for the, nowhere for them to live. But hey, we got a decent minimum wage. I mean, all the other things we're talking about, like 13000 and uh, 10000 and whatever. Here it says 87000 You know, it's interesting. Go back for a second to like the restaurant industry, right? And servers still wanted, et cetera. Right. I'm not sure we've yet seen the full feedback loop occur or these increased minimum wage positions and the effect that that will have on these industries. Cause that's an industry right there. I think that it's dramatically 
going to impact. And not necessarily in a good way. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Because right now, uh, let's see, so I don't get this wrong. Right now in the service industry, like being a server or something like that, a waiter, waitress, you, you, your employer can make up the shortfall in your hourly wage by using your tips to supplement that. Right. Well, a lot of people were saying that they didn't want to hire minimum wage because they were going to lose more of their tips that way. Yep. And they actually make a couple hundred bucks cash yep. in tips. Yep. Mm-hmm. And so they're cool making under the minimum wage. Uh, Sacramento knows better, though, so continue. Right. <laughs> so it's interesting to see if you, you get a downward trend out of hospitality because you just have less people going into those jobs now because they're um, I could see that. It makes sense. Mm. Well, that's all I got. Is it time for the James Woods? It is time. Okay, this one was a while ago. It's a Halloween one, but it's pretty funny. So Bette Midler, the uh, the singer, somewhat actress, whatever. Right. She tweets out, yes, today is Halloween. Big deal. Because what... Let me get this right. Because what could be more nightmarish, harrowing, horrifying, unnerving, unspeakable, or repellent than the last nearly two years we've had lived through, thanks to this inconceivable administration? Question mark. Inconceivable. Inconceivable. It's, I mean, mm. it's like mind-blowing. James Woods tweets, the nightmare of record employment, a record stock market, peace in Korea, and the rebuilding of our devastated borders. Hashtag Happy Halloween 2018. <laughs> Admitted, I get so frustrated yeah. with the manufactured rage. Exactly. Like what, yeah. that I don't is get exactly what people what was, are upset about, honestly. Uh, right. You would if, if if someone if someone like flew in from outer space, read some of these things, the person in their mind that they would have would be like the worst, most evil human being the earth has ever seen. I, I like how they are, they're always constantly manufacturing problems. Like when we had the synagogue of shooting. They're like, well, it's Trump's rhetoric. It's Trump's rhetoric. It's Trump's rhetoric. Like, what, what, what was he saying before? Which is well, what was the it? most pro-Israel president that we've like ever had. Yeah. Oh yeah, totally. No, they want to paint him as anti-Semitic <laughs> and out, then, out and of then, nowhere. Then, but the guy is like now. really close with Bibi Netanyahu. He got the the embassy moved. They just yeah. named it a subway station in Jerusalem <laughs> after Trump. Right. And then we don't hear about it now. People just throw things out there, and yeah. he hasn't really. He hasn't done anything to. Uh, to what's the room looking for? Hasn't done any but anything to to really persecute any group or any people. All these things we were told before he got elected have yet to materialize. He's emboldened me, the privileged white man, though. Yes, and you that are is the biscuit. biggest atrocity known to man. Yeah, John's our affirmative action case on this <laughs> episode. Yeah, That's true. Right. Well, guys, another episode down. Almost nearing the end of the year, that's for sure. Thanks for listening. Tell a friend. New episodes every Wednesday uh, on the Apple iTunes and Google Store.